back to the New Wave podcast. I am Pid. And I am Nuveen. And we are the New Wave. Today we have a very yes. special guest. Um, the one, the only, Rudy. For all the way from Australia. Roj Bach. G'day everyone. Roj. Thanks for having me on. Roj Thank you for being here. Thank you. What time is it over there? Right it now? is at 10.35 a.m. Oh. Yeah. It's not too late. It's not That's too early. nice. You, yeah. you, did you have your morning coffee? Oh, I had a coffee. I had uh, I had my breakfast. And uh, we don't have any hot water today. Our hot water unit uh, kicked it a couple of days ago. So um, I, I went, uh, I, I had a, a bath Gundi style out of a bucket. Oh, so that wow. was fun. That was fun. But uh, no, I'm I'm ready. I'm here. I've got my glass of water, and uh, let's uh, get into it. Yeah. Okay. Well, first of all, Australia. Mm. How did you get? Like, how did you end up in Australia? Can you like tell us a little bit, like, about yourself and maybe how you got to where you are today? Wow. Where do I start? How? Do, I mean, that, that's a really hard question to ask a Kurd, isn't it? It's like, how did you get here? Well, back in the 1940s, my granddad. You know, that's that's usually how these stories start, isn't it? Right. Um, <laughs> And you can, you know, hey, whatever, whatever route you want to take, whatever, however much information you want to give <laughs> us, you know. You know that's dangerous because I'm a talker, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna go on a, a tangent and just <laughs> talk for hours. Um, <laughs> not short answer really is, um, I was born and raised in Kuwait um, with my okay. brothers, and um, and then we moved to Abu Dhabi for a couple of years, and. Uh, in those uh, Gulf countries, we call them the Khalij, Khalij countries, Gulf mm -hmm. countries. Um, you know, they're very, um, you know, they're very westernized and very modern, whatever, but you can't get a citizenship there. So every, so pretty much like 60, 70 percent of the people there are expats. So mm. when you mm. go to school, there's always the understanding that when you finish, you go to another country for university. And mm -hmm. so people are, you know, always try to go to the, you know, to the big threes, like, or the big four, the, the um, well, the big threes, um, America, Canada, or the UK. Um, mm. And there's, there's some really good universities around, like, Jordan and, and um, uh, where is it, uh, Lebanon and a couple of others as well, like, really good international universities. Um, mm -hmm. So my dad was very adamant, like, no, we're not going to an Arab country, we're going to, a, you know, we're going to try and, uh, get a citizenship somewhere, you know. Um, mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. he was kind of eyeing America or Canada. He was eyeing Europe a little bit, um, and uh, and then, <laughs> funny, you know, how we are as Kurds. Uh, he had a friend of a friend who said, uh, "We've got, we know some people in Australia. Why don't you try there?" Um, yeah. So he applied mm -hmm. for the citizenship, and this was back before all the immigration laws got really, really strict. Um, mm -hmm. we, yeah, we came in 99 for a visit, um, and, uh, the rest is history. Basically we applied for, from the residency and then came to Australia. Um, I must've been about 15 or 16. So we did the last okay. two or three years of high school here before university. So that's really the main reason we came here was uh, school and education. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. You don't really have an Australian accent. I do don't. You? No, I don't. No, I've uh, got an international school accent. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can we I think we can all relate yeah, to that. Yeah. I think when we were all at Nuhat, none of us Nubian, all the ones from America or Canada, we all kind of developed one accent. <laughs> yeah. We didn't have a northern or southern or yeah. Um there was none of that. We all just talked the same. Yeah. yeah. And like our English was starting to sound like the German in like nah. the German <laughs> yeah. and is is rough. Yeah. Um Wow. Okay. I did not know that mm-hmm. about you, Rudy. Oh, Rudy, I first, I feel like, you know, in this social media, like, I first found your Instagram, Um, I think it was back in, it was probably before then, but like, back in 2000 and, um, what was it? 2019, yeah. definitely back in 2019 with what was happening in Rujava and Trump's decision to, um, you know, uh, take the troops out. And I even like, you know, I saw your video of you explaining um, what was going on. And I even like, you know, screen recorded it and shared it on my feed. And I'm looking at it right now. I still have it on my feed because I was like, oh, (laughs) this is like you're explaining it in such a like concise a digestible way mm. and, and it was you know I feel like um during I don't know um yeah so I I think ever since then we've we've been following each other and on your on your Instagram and I see that you have beautiful beautiful kids and um I want to be their babysitter uh well look I'll, I'll go one step further um if because i've got twins twin four-year-olds and a one and a half year old if you want any of them just let me know um, <laughs> i know fedex does a really good good deal and uh you know you don't have to be just you don't just have to be their babysitter that's what i'm trying to say right we can we can work yeah. something out we can work something out <laughs> Oh, oh my god, that's hilarious. Um, Rudy, you're pretty vocal about the Kurdish um cause yeah. and, and situations back home and stuff. Do you have like um anything to say about that or like to share and what um you know or, or add on to what I was saying about how like I like the, you, you, that video came out at a time of you talking and explaining what was going yeah. on where like it was like we I I just felt it felt very good. And I'm like, yes, like somebody's like saying what I don't know how to say in like a yeah. better way. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Look, I've actually got a lot to say about that um, on on a few different fronts. I think um, mm. you know we. Uh, I'll start with this. I think um, that that. Um, uh, that post went viral. That video went absolutely nuts. And yeah. uh, part of that was because I, you know, I work in marketing. I, I know how to kind of like structure a, 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 a kind of a statement in, in a way that, that um, you know, is concise. And, and you know, it's, it's a hit and miss for me. Like it's, you know, I have to work on it and, and write a script and edit it. Well, that, whereas that one was just off the cuff and I just spoke. Um, yeah. there was a lot of emotion behind it as, as you can tell. Um, but yeah. what I want to say about that is, is it was a concise situation. It was a very, yeah. uh, simple story. Um, you know, there, there were yeah. very clear actors, you know, um, world actors yeah. is what I mean. Like there was Trump, 
there was a phone call, there was a series of events, there was a, you know, there was a climax, um, there was a history, there was a backstory, and there was an attack. Mm. And I think, you know, a part of why that, that you know, that, that event was a really big event among uh, herds around the world is because it was so clear, you know, like a couple of years ago, we had the situation with Afrin, we had the situation with ISIS attacking Kobani, and and we had the, uh, you know, ISIS attacking, um, you know, the different cities in, in Tur and trying to get across the um, the border and all that. Uh, we've had the, the, you know, the issue with, with um, the Turkish government for God knows how long. We've had the oppression for the past hundred years, and it's all mm-hmm. really bloody messy, really messy. Yeah. Um, and so to be able to explain that in a in a concise way in the diaspora, mm. it's it's like uh, you know it's like one of those memes of, of uh, Charlie from um, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. It's like you've got the whole map house, like um, you know this person is this person's mm-hmm. ally, but not this person's ally. But you know, your friend, your enemy of your enemy is your friend for a little period. It's just crazy. And I yeah. think I think that one event was so clear, so quick, and and mm. it was so easy to pinpoint who the who the players were. Mm-hmm. Um, that for me, it did something. It just it, like it woke something up in me. Yeah. Um, and I think it did that to a lot of Kurds around the world as well, where they're like, "Oh shit, this is," you know, "how could this have happened?" Like it's always been messy, and you always have to figure out what the truth is and what the events were and who said what and who did what. But that was just so clear. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and it, it was, left, it was a and it left a, shock. a lar- it left a impact that people are paying for till today. You know, absolutely, left, just left a clear trail of destruction. Just, yeah, left yeah. a lot of people displaced, and um, yeah. we lost a lot of people. Um, uh, mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think the other thing that I want to say about it, and this is this is a bit of a, a confession from me. This is my. Um, um, my time of confession, my time of, of um, yeah, um, mm-hmm. I guess, I guess looking back <laughs> and saying, you know, before that event, I, you know, like, even if you look through my feed, my, my, my Kurdishness, my Kurdish identity, my, my voice from my people was very uh, sporadic and kind of in the background. And that was, I think, partly a consequence of my personal upbringing of, you know, growing up in Kuwait not not growing up around other Kurds, not growing up around family, not growing up around my culture, mm-hmm. um, and and a part mm-hmm. of that was again just just you know being a third culture kid in the diaspora, trying to assimilate into a new culture, trying to survive, trying to you know make a job and 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 you know now I have kids and all that, yeah. um, and you know looking at looking at the Middle East, looking at the situation with the Kurds, looking at the mess and going, how, how the hell do I even decipher this with everything else going on in my life? Um, and there was always like, I'm going to try. I'm going to try and reach out. I'm going to try and do something. I'm going to try and, you know, uh, build some connections. I'm going to try and do all these things. And it, it is messy, right? It has been messy. And so before that event, it really, like, you know, for me personally, um, I didn't do much in the Kurdish community. I didn't do... Uh, much to raise awareness about the Kurdish identity. Like, if anyone asks where you're from, I said I'm Kurdish, proud of it. This is my language. Yeah. This is my heritage. This is where I'm from. This is, you know, this is the situation for the past hundred years. But really, beyond that, there wasn't much else. Um, mm. And so then, when that event happened again, it was just so crystal clear, and it 
it brought, you know, like you hear all the stories when you're growing up, you listen to mm. the music, you know, you listen to the to the songs, and all that. Yeah. And then at some point in your upbringing, like those words have meaning, those words make sense. You're like, oh shit, this is what it means, right? Yeah, and like, don't you think there's a little bit of like this sense of like, oh shit, history keeps repeating itself and we're yeah. living it and we're doing yeah. the same things that like, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and for me, like I've had moments of that throughout my life, like just that, that like, um, you know, that cultural heaviness, that, that sense of mm-hmm. like identity, that existential <laughs> identity crisis, like, who am I? Who are we? You know, Kina M, where are we from? Why is this happening to us? Um, but the real big wake up call for me was was last year, was in 2019. That's when my eyes really opened and went, that's like, this is not stopping. Like this is, you know, for all of our progress around the world, for being in the 21st century, for the, you know, um, for everything that's happening, it's just, it's still going on. So, um, yeah, I think for me, it was like, okay, this, there's, you know, there's priorities in my life and that's all well and good and those aren't going to go away but at some point uh, and that was the point for me i was like you know what i i i've been putting this off for too long i've been saying oh well it's messy it's it's whatever i'm going to get to it someday and it was like no actually there's not going to be someday this is the day <laughs> right Oof. okay let's shift from that and you mentioned marketing oh yes what's your background in marketing like what do you do yeah, great question. Um, I, uh, my, I do what's called B two B marketing, which is business to business marketing. Um, and that's different to B two C marketing, which is business to customer marketing. And you know, like the the foundation of it is the same, but essentially, um, I work with um companies that are selling to other companies you know so the um you know like the sales process is going to be very long it's not just going to be a quick transaction it might take two three months of negotiation back and forth the deals are usually quite big anywhere between you know a few hundred bucks to millions um and um and usually the um you know like the lead up to that sale like the discovery and the negotiation and the uh, you know the proposals that you have to put put through. Um, uh, it's again, it's very long. Sometimes it takes six to twelve months to, yeah. uh, you know, to to close a deal. So the uh, you know in an industry like that, it's usually sales driven. You know, you got salespeople that are uh, chasing these deals, that are trying to build relationships. Uh, it's all relationship based. Mm. So then the challenge is, as a marketer, how do you support that process? Um, mm-hmm. How do you how do you help them? you know, do their job better. And, and, and especially now with technology as a digital marketer, how do I try to um, increase the number of leads that come through and the sales and all that? Um, wow. So that's, that's what I do now. But in, in the last like 10, 15 years, I, I, I kind of got to this place uh, <laughs> through a few different, uh, through a few different means. So uh, I mentioned before we came to Australia to, to study and, and to go to university. And uh, I'm a little bit of the black sheep of the family because I'm the, I'm the first born son, but I didn't finish university. Um, mm. and, and that was a huge deal for my family. <clears throat> mm-hmm. 
Um, huge deal because my dad, I was telling you before, you know, going back to my granddad, right? My dad was born in a small village in Rojava. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was one of um, uh, seven brothers and sisters. And uh, my granddad had had uh, three other wives as well. Uh-huh. This was back in the like the 30s and 40s, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, 1930s, 1940s, and 1950s, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and so he, like, you know, he had lots of half-brothers and half-sisters. Yeah. Um, and when he had finished primary school and went and, and, and uh, you know, graduated, back in that time, you didn't go to high school because you had to pay to go to high school. So yeah. all the kids would finish primary school and go to work. Yeah. And I think, I think my dad, uh, my granddad wanted my dad to be a shepherd. Mm-hmm. So I go tend to the sheep. And my dad, at, I don't know how old he was, 10, 11 years old, stubborn as hell. He goes, no, I want to study. The only way to get out of this situation and to progress in life is to study. Mm-hmm. Um, and through a very long series of events, basically, he studied. He um, went to university. He got a, like a kind of like a scholarship thing to go and work in Kuwait. Uh-huh. Wow. Um, and, yeah. And he was then able to, um, you know, to support his family and send money back as, as we do. Um, and, uh, and so, so, so then he, he, there was kind of this kind of legend status about him. At least that's where, you know, like when you, you, your parents tell you about their childhood, it's always legendary, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> so at least that's the story that I heard. <laughs> I didn't yeah. have anyone else to dispute it. <laughs> um, but um, studying became this like this thing in our family, like you all have to study, you all have to do this yep. and that, uh, and in our extended family as well. So for me to be the firstborn son of this man that like was one of the first people in our village to go and study and, and you know, uh, get a profession. Um, and uh, it was it was pretty big deal. So I didn't finish university. Um, I just there were a lot of events. There were a lot of things happening in the background, you know, um, yeah um you know personal um uh-huh. uh, emotional psychological issues and uh you know trying to deal with your place in the world and, and depression and all that yeah um, and uh, but also my learning style is very hands-on uh, and that's uh-huh. something i just did not know about myself at the time like you give me something i'll figure it out but you sit me in a classroom for you know eight hours a day and i'll switch off yeah um and uh, so I tried to go to university year after year after year, and I just could not, uh, you know, could not concentrate, could not focus, could not keep at it. Um, but I had this idea. I had this idea for a business, and it involved creating a website. So yeah. this was back in 2006, 2007, where websites were still fairly new in Australia. It was like this, you know, only the big guys had it. Um, yeah. So I, I basically sat at a computer and told myself how to build websites. And um, I started business off the back of that, um, did that for about four or five years. Then I moved into digital marketing. So I did Facebook ads and, and Google ads and that. Um, I started working for a lot of um, like tech startups, like really small tech startups, really, really little, or like one or two person. Um, on their marketing but because I was working with them and they were you know techies I was able to see the connection between the marketing and the technology Um, Mm -hmm. so worked on the technology side of things for a while for a few years um, and that's when I started to fall into B2B because in B2B uh, uh, companies they rely heavily on technology to gather data um, gather Mm -hmm. data on their sales gather data on their clients and all that so um, 
I so I ran my own business for about 10 years and then when the twins were born it was like I can't I can't handle this I can't handle the running this business in this crazy industry and have the twins and family life at home I need to you know I need to do something so I I started working for the man again and mm -hmm. uh, uh, yeah that was about four or five years ago and uh, I'm now doing what I'm doing which is B2B marketing at a training company wow yeah. Um, yeah, that's awesome. And I think a lot of people can relate to the whole like feeling pressured to, yeah. you know, go to like get a degree and stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I think even just me personally, my mom didn't go to school. Um, mm. And growing up, I remember like throwing like tantrums before like every morning before going to school i hated school like i absolutely <laughs> hated school yeah. and my mom would just always just be so like shocked and surprised of like she'd, she'd tell me like nuveen she's like what do you mean this is amazing she's like i always wanted to go to school and i couldn't go mm, and you're yeah. going you know and and like school is just such a important Thing in my family like you that's not even like an option like you gotta go to school you gotta you know um and so mm -hmm. I finally found and yeah so I same found here niche. I'm like okay well I'm gonna make school fun and I'm gonna study something that I actually um <laughs> yeah <laughs> will use to sit through um yeah well mm-hmm yeah, I think um, so. My brother, he is doing it the little less traditional way, where he didn't. He took a year off, and my parents like freaked, like, "What do you mean you're taking a year off?" And he's like, "I just, you know, want to take a year off after high school, and like, I will go. I just don't know what I want to do." And to them, it was like, "What do you mean? No, no, no! You're not. You're if you take a year off, that means you're never gonna go." And they just got really scared about it then. But I think he is. He's going this way though, so. But, it, but yeah, it's okay. but I mean, then again, it's like who? I mean, even if he doesn't go, like. That's what I was telling my. I'm like, and they were yeah. trying to like talk him into it. Like, you went to college, you finished it. Tell him too, like. And I'm just like, I mean, at the end of a the day, though, doesn't guarantee you a job or success. It doesn't freaking. I'm not doing anything with my degree. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, I mean, I, I, I understand that. And I, I was like that for so long as well. Like, I I tried to go to university for six years in a row. I tried six different mm. courses and I, you know, for six months and then I'd defer and then I'd go for six months and I'd defer for six months. And it was horrible because, you know, it's a waste of time and money and emotional energy and all yep. of that. Um, yeah. But at some point, and this is only recently, at some point in the last couple of years, it just, it dawned on me that, they're from a very, very different world, and they're from a very different mm. time as well. And this is what this is what we experienced, you know, growing up in the Middle East. Um, you, you know, when you're working in some of the Gulf countries or or any other country that you don't have a citizenship to, you don't get a citizenship in those countries. It's not like going mm. to Europe or you know to the Western Western countries where you can apply for a you know residency and citizenship and all. It's like you, you they don't allow you to go through that process. You just unless you're born into a family into you know a, a, a passport, you don't get it. And so yeah. the only way to secure your future is to study. 
Um, you know, you, there's no guarantee that that degree will get you a job, but there's a guarantee if you don't have a degree, you don't get anything, right? Um, you can't mm. apply for visas to other countries. You can't, like, that is the, the world that they've come from. So um, I remember mm. even talking to my dad. He's like, look, just get that piece of paper. Like, after he's realized he won't do university, he's like, just yep. get that piece of paper, have it in your back pocket because you don't know what's going to happen in the world. And I never understood that because I grew up mm. with this Western mentality of, you know, there's stability and there's, you know, there's universities and there's always different opportunities around the corner and you don't need a degree for that. Um, but mm -hmm. but he didn't he doesn't have that experience. He doesn't have that understanding of of our Westernized worldview. Um, and I say that yeah. because it's like in a lot of in in a lot of parts parts of the world, it's still like that. It's still like that. Like if without a degree, yeah. you have no opportunities. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's pretty. Uh, mm -hmm. It's pretty stark, though. That that you know, that's the like that's their mentality as our parents coming from that world. Yeah, we're growing up in a completely different world, and we're trying to meet them in the middle. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Mm, yeah. Hmm. Okay. Something else. Okay. <laughs> We're all over the place. We are. A bit. <laughs> it's okay. This is how we roll. I love the it. New wave. I love um, it. Okay. Oh, so I keep you, the images of Betty Vaughn uh, keep popping up in my head. Oh, I'm yes. About to, I'm about to um, hold on. Let me look on Instagram. Betty Vaughn have all. Yeah. Yay! Okay. <laughs> I was gonna bring that up. I'm like, I don't it's, know if it's time. Yeah. Uh, it's you know. always time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Betty Von yes. Who is Betty Von Uhavol and Havol? Betty Von Uhavol. So Havol is actually like means friends. So Betty Von and yes. friends. Um, and friends. Not okay. not Havol. Like Havol is also a name. So it's not yeah. the two characters. It's yeah. It's yeah. Von. So Betty Von Havol is a little projects that honestly just um, came to life a month ago. Like it's not even that old. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, it's, a, it's a little app, it's a little game app in Kurdish um, for mainly for kids, but also for anybody that wants to learn um, the Kurdish language. And that, that itself is really, really important to me because, um, you know, like I said, I, I grew up away from culture, away from family. And so I speak good enough Kurdish, good enough Gurmanji. Um, yeah. But there are a lot of words that I don't know, a lot of vocabulary that I, I've never been exposed to. So, you know, within my family, if we, you know, if we go out and hang out with some friends, I can hold a conversation really, really well. I can understand, you know, 70% of what they say. But as soon as we start talking about anything slightly complicated, like, like our feelings or um, you know, school or work or politics or any of that, like my understanding just drops because my vocabulary was that great. So I've been working on my language for the last few years. Um, and I've started, like people have started reaching out to me from the diaspora who've never spoken Kurdish mm -hmm. at all. Um, and most of them are from Bakur, from the Turkish region, um, mm -hmm. where, um, you know, their oppression meant that their parents didn't even teach them Kurdish at all. Um, yes. And so, my, you know, I have a real heart mm -hmm. and real passion for them because, you know, they're going through, you know, a, a, like an existential crisis of a very different kind where, 
you know, they feel everything we're feeling, but at the, you know, on top of that, they can't connect and communicate the way that we could, we can, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so Berivan Havel came, came out of that, you know, my, my own children, uh, you know, trying to teach them the language, um, trying to teach them Kurdish, uh, trying to create resources for the next generation of, of little kidlings that are growing up in the diaspora, but also these, mm-hmm. um, these, uh, mature Kurds that don't speak Kurdish, um, Right. Yeah. So it's um, like I said, it's a fairly new project. I've been working on um, different, uh, you know, books and little books and little videos for, for my kids, um, trying to introduce them to the Kurdish language a bit more. Again, we don't really have a Kurdish community here that we're a part of. Um, yeah. And uh, and the app idea came out of um, uh, just a. Let me backtrack a little bit. Um, so. Th- about a couple of months ago, I came across another app that came out of um, Bakur, which is a Kurdish lang- uh, uh, Kurdish game for kids, um, and it's called mm-hmm. Bejan. So the Bejan game, if you guys have mm-hmm. a, a, an iPhone or, or an Android, go to the App Store and download it. It only costs a dollar. I highly mm-hmm. support these guys. You know, it, like they, they're they're trying to do something. So they were the first. Mine, my game isn't okay. the first. They were the first, right? And mm-hmm. uh, what's the phrase? Um, uh, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, so I saw yeah. their game and I saw how simple it was. Um, and it's not like their business is about teaching Kurdish, but the game itself doesn't focus on teaching Kurdish. It's a game mm. that engages with the Kurdish language, but doesn't focus on teaching it. Um, okay. So I looked at that and I gave it to my kids and I saw how much they were enjoying just playing with that game. Um, yeah. And uh, but they, again, they weren't engaging with the language. They weren't really um, uh, absorbing the words that were coming through in the language. Yeah. So I looked at that and I thought, you know what? I've I've got experience with web development. I've worked. I've consulted on app development before. I know how to you know mm-hmm. storyboard these things. I know the technology that goes into it. This is not a really complicated thing, right? It's not a complex game yeah. to build. Um, yeah. So I I started looking around at different software. Uh, sorry, I'm going into all the technical side of things. Um, no. That, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's totally um, fine. <laughs> found a software. Um, found a couple of developers. Found a couple of um, graphic designers. Wrote a brief. Sent it to them, and within two weeks. I got what you guys are seeing now, which is that that first version of the game, and it was it was honestly shocking how easy that was, right? <laughs> um, yeah. To to you know that that all all you needed was was just a little bit of inspiration, uh, and my inspiration was that Bejan game. Mm. So. Yeah. So for me, Berivan Haval is is almost like the next step, right? It's 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 the yeah. next step in. In, in creating resources in Kurdish uh, for mm-hmm. for children and and really just for all of us to be proud of to say hey this is who we are this is what we you know what we stand for this is our language and and we can be excited about it yes yeah. definitely and I like how you like just this whole process and you just looking at like it coming from a very very personal place. For you and just even having your kids and watching your kids um, and and 
kind of like, okay, what will my kids, how will my kids learn? Mm -hmm. Um, How are they engaging with this game? Um, And that's, that's like amazing. That's like the perfect, um, Mm -hmm. you know, tool. I'm not calling your kids tools, but (laughs) (laughs) like a a measurement. I'll call, I'll call them tools. Um, They're tools sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, (laughs) but yeah, and then also, I think, you know, you and I, you like months ago had sent me like some, some videos of your like, you know, you were, you've been like (laughs) playing with these, with this and making videos for your kids for like a while now of trying to teach them making like learn teaching them Kurdish in a fun way yeah. you know you'd you know you had these animations and I've watched some of the videos <laughs> you've created before yeah. and you're making yeah, she sent them to <laughs> me and I watched them too. and you you're making language learning the Kurdish language yes. fun which is something that a lot of Kurds in diaspora have dreaded and have have resisted yeah. because their parents have not and I th- and I think mm-hmm. not just fun, I think just mm-hmm. also accessible, too. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, like a lot of kids will grow up wanting to know, but then they mm-hmm. don't, or yeah. they don't have anyone to teach them, or their families don't speak to them in Kurdish. And yeah, um, we had a friend on the podcast, and she, that was one Ooh, of her things. Is she she didn't have any. Oh, no, Omina. Yeah. Remember, she was talking about how, like, she wasn't really like introduced yeah. to the culture, um, the Kurdish culture, and she'd had to yes. seek yeah. it out on yeah. her own. And so things like this being just yeah. accessible and available to, to everyone, people yeah. who and want also, it, yeah. And then like that conversation we had with Dilmon, where she was just like, you know, um, I don't know if you listened to that episode, Ruby, mm-hmm. but with Dilmon, she was talking about her, like how you know the Kurdish language is in her household and with her children, yeah. and how. Like, nowadays, there's a lot of parents who, like, oh, like, you know, a kid will say one word in Kurdish, and everybody's, like, you know, rewards them. It's like, yay, good job, and, like, will start clapping their hands, and then that kind of shies children away from the language, too, and they get, or they feel embarrassed. Like, I have grown um, cousins who, in diaspora, who don't, like, who make it a point to not speak in Kurdish because they've been made fun of for their accent or whatever. Um, So... You know, yeah, I'm really, really excited about this, and yeah. uh, me, me too, me too. And look, uh, you know, part of part of my passion with marketing is accessibility, right? Is making things as accessible mm-hmm. to as many people as possible. Like, you might have the most amazing product in the world, you might have the most amazing idea, but if people don't hear about it, then it's you know, it's not, it's going to fall apart. It's not going to be worth worth investing yeah. in. Um, you know, that can be debatable, but. Um, at the end of the day, that's that's the truth. So, um, you know, my experience with my own kids, like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm married to, to an Australian. Um, she obviously doesn't speak English. Um, and in any, in any kind of interracial marriage. But... Wait, 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 you're married to an Australian? Wait, you're married to an Australian? Oh, sorry, sorry. I meant she doesn't speak Kurdish. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, 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 no. Doesn't, she doesn't speak like, Kurdish, right? Um, and so, with any interracial marriage where you've got two languages, the primary carer mm. of the children is going to be the one that passes on the language, right? Um, and so, mm. for me, working full time and coming home at the end of the day, like all I want to do is connect with my kids, right? And if they've been talking 
English all day and, you know, and I want to tell them I love them and I want to say, how did, how's your day been? What have you done? I'm going to ask them in English. And so it was this kind of natural progression of like continuing to speak English and going, oh, I, I want to speak to them in Kurdish. And I tried, but they wouldn't understand. So I was like, all right, well, it's easier. You know, I'm tired at the end of the day. I've come home. I've got yep. an hour before their bedtime and I can't play and engage with them because it's their wind down time. You know, they need to go to sleep. Right. Um, so, um, you know, over the years, I, I started to realize like, oh, shit, like they're not actually learning Kurdish. Um, what do I do? Yeah. So uh, a few years ago, I made little um, little storybooks for them because they love stories, um, little storybooks for them yeah. in, in Kurmanji. And I just went to like um, those um, like those photo album printers. I don't know, they have them uh-huh. here. Like, I don't know, maybe at Walmart where you are um, and just printed out a whole bunch of photos of animals and, and the Kurdish words for them. Um, I, I started to make little videos for them because they got a bit older and they were watching Peppa Pig and they were watching all those, you know, kids shows um, and, you know, experimenting with different things. But at one point there was something that kind of switched for me where I was, um, I was trying to talk to them in Kurdish and I, um, I wanted to um, show them some Kurdish videos that I'd made. And my daughter, you guys have seen Avine, right? Avine, my daughter, she is yes. she is a stubborn little firecracker, right? She is so headstrong. She's so determined. She's so fierce. Um, and sometimes you get the pointy edge oh. of that, right? <laughs> um, and uh, so I was going to put on some Kurdish videos, and I was like, hey, guys, I'm going to put some Kurdish videos on. And she goes, no, I don't want to watch Kurdish videos. I want to watch normal videos. And yeah and i was like oh my goodness what have i created what have i done and that's exactly what you were saying like you know kids say one kurdish word and you're like hey hooray amazing and so when she said that i was like okay i can't get angry at this because you know what what, what's the situation that's created this mentality um and the first thing is like the way that the children children's brains work it's a very fixed construct right like their view of the world is very fixed. They, they, they don't understand mm-hmm. nuance yet. That's why kids' stories are so basic, right? Um, mm. And so I was like, okay, yeah. to them, they talk in English with their mom and dad. They talk in English to all their friends. They go to uh, daycare and they talk in English. And then there's this other thing that I've introduced that is the other, right? And so, mm. so there's this normality about their life. And then there's mm. the other. And so that's when I realized, like, oh, how do I switch that? How do I, like, I need to, I need them to understand that everything they're doing isn't normal. It's English, right? It is a language. And yeah. the other thing uh. is, the, it's not the other, it's Kurdish, right? And they, they have yeah. the same value, right? Um, so this was about, like, six, know, six seven months ago. Um, so instead of making it a thing, making it an event, like, let's sit down and read in Kurdish, let's sit down and watch Kurdish videos. It was like, hey guys, let's watch some videos. Uh-huh. Um, you know, you'll have a few English, uh-huh. a few Kurdish. Um, we'll sit down, read stories, and you know, just make it a part of the day. Uh, rather than, you know, like we'll have these dance sessions. I'm like, all right, I want to put on some Kurdish music, and I, I would get really excited because it was exciting for me. But they would pick up on that and say, oh, <laughs> that's the other, that's different. Um, so I have to kind of watch myself yeah. and go, okay, let's listen to some music mm-hmm. and some songs. So we put on some. Um, you know, some of their songs like Twinkle Twinkle and um, The Wiggles. I don't know if you guys have been exposed to The Wiggles yet, but 
yeah, yes. Baby Shark, all of that. And then we put on some Kurdish songs as well, like at the same time. So we'd mix mm-hmm. and match them so that like in their world and their contra- construct, they are equal. They're the same. There's no other, there's no othering yes. of Kurdishness. Um, it's, it's really, it's, but the thing is, right, like I've had to figure that out, right? I to watch them yeah. and, you know, the, the type of person that I am, like I'm really introspective where I have to, like I second guess everything that I do, right? Um, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of anxiety about that, mm-hmm. but look, we're not going to go into that in this episode. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and But I, I, I then have to like scale that up. And I think for well, the Kurds in the mm-hmm. diaspora, right, from my own, upbringing and my own engagement with my language from what I'm seeing out there where I go to an event and I speak in my broken Kurdish and I get these funny looks Mm -hmm. and I get, you know, made fun of or whatever. Like we are the, we are the first and second generation of Kurds in the diaspora, right? This is, this is our collective experience. And at some point in the next, I don't know, 10, 20 years, we all have to come to terms with that fact, right? We all have to yeah. come to terms with that fact. So on the one hand, I'm like, how do we scale this idea that we don't want to other our own language? Oh my God, Rudy, you're making me like yeah. up right now. <laughs> all right, all right, I'll keep preaching. <laughs> um, you know, how do, we, how do we not other our own <laughs> language, right? On the one hand, it's like, how do we not other yeah. our own language? But on the other hand, like uh, we almost have to accept that there is a different evolution that's happening, right? That is outside of the Walat, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, yeah. I was listening to another episode. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you're not my Habibi, <laughs> or not not your, not your Habibi. Yes. I can't remember who who that was. <laughs> yeah, not yeah. your Habibi. Um, and the guy in that was saying like. Yeah. Uh, you know, in my generation, this was happening with, you know, kids going to university and, you know, the challenges that they face. But then in your generation, this is what's, you know, like you have a different experience. Um, do, do you remember that? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yes. And and I, I heard that and I had a little mm-hmm. red flag go off in my head. I'm like, okay, in his generation and in your generation, in that community, like in America, right? In you yes. know, in in that in that part of the diaspora. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas if you right. if you take that experience back to the Walat, it would be very different. Like there's no like there like his experience and your experience would be very different to what they're experiencing there. Mm-hmm. And I think at some point we mm-hmm. as Kurds collectively have to come to terms with the fact that you know we we there are 40 million of us around the world. I think yeah. 10 to 20 million, I don't know what the numbers are, mm-hmm. are in the diaspora. Mm-hmm. And we are going to have different cultural influences. We're going to have a different evolution. Yeah. You know, the Kurds that are growing up in Germany yeah. and in America, Australia, and in you know Norway and yeah. in England, like there is a different evolution that's happening. And what yeah. does unity look like there? What does language look like there? What does, you know, what does mm-hmm. like a collective Kurdaiti look like? Right. Yeah. So, do you think that do you mm-hmm. are, do you make the argument that that because it is? I mean, even our language, one can argue that is not is not quite unified. You know, like the the language you know that is spoken in Southern Kurdistan and even within Southern Kurdistan. Yeah. You know, there's so many different dialects. So, do you think 
that that struggle, I mean, I mean, I personally, I am one to always advocate and, and always talk about how there is no monolithic reading of Kurdish identity, right? It's, I mean, there's, we are a very, very diverse group of people and we all have different um, perspectives and experiences and that's for everyone, right? Um, and I think that, I mean, so, but were you saying that basic, like, are you thinking or suggesting that us, our struggle for um, holding on to the language or trying to learn the language is a collective one in diaspora? Um, um, let me take a, let me take a step or, back and just challenge you on that first thing that you said that that you okay. know, even in even in like the Kurdish region, our language is so different um, and and divided. Yes. Like the, if you talk to some of the people in in Kurdistan who are you know, very passionate about language. There, there's a saying in Kurdish that honestly yes. I can't remember right now, but the gist of it is we have we have a, a rich language. You know, our language is one of the richest in the world because we have yes. so many different words for the, mm. for the one thing, right? <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. And the reason why it seems yeah. so disconnected, the reason why it seems like it's so different uh -huh. is as a result of the oppression and the occupation that we faced. Uh -huh. Right? Yes. So if I, you talk to some yes. of the Kurds that have, you know, um, like, you know, my dad is one of them. My, my dad knows a few others like that as well. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm not saying there's a handful. There are many. Um, who grew up there and who have uh -huh. had connections between the, you know, across the borders um, with the, you know, yeah. with Sorani and Zazaki and Kurmanji and Badini. Yeah. They understand each other. Uh -huh. They'll sit in a room, they will uh -huh. each talk in their dialect and they will like 95 to 99% understand what everyone else is saying. And they'll have these wonderful, beautiful, rich conversations. Um, it is, so beautiful. but because we've been so disconnected, we've had to learn, um, uh, you know, the, the occupier's language, right, for lack of a better word. Mm -hmm. um, not that I don't think there is a better word, really. Um, we've had to learn that language, <laughs> and then we've had to learn our mother tongue almost as a secondary language. And so then, you know, and with yeah. these borders drawn, we don't have the, the, the opportunity to connect with others. Now, I think the internet is starting to break that down and everything. But, but what's happening yeah. now in the diaspora is this opportunity to, 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 to unify that across borders, right? To be yeah. able to meet collectively yeah. and say, we have this rich language. It's not divided. It's not different. It, it, it is, it is the, it's the one language that's been, uh, that's been separated from itself, you know? Yeah. Mm. Oh my God. Oh my God. Wow. Stop it. You're getting me all. Um, okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Um, also, something else that recently, this past year or two, I've like, something I've always struggled with is like, knowing the arabic term because like you know i'm from southern kurdistan which is occupied yeah. by iraq and like i know a lot of arabic like i a lot of my kurdish yeah. and quotation marks yeah. has a lot Same. of arabic in it and like and for the past like cup two years i've been like studying mm. gurmanji and i'm like learning the act yeah. like kurdish words like I'm like, oh my, like, I swear to God, I, I used to, like, ask everyone back in Duhuk, like, what what do they call this in Kurdish? I know this is 
Arabic, but what is this in Kurdish? Yeah. And nobody would know. But then recently doing my own homework, I'm like, oh no, there actually is a Kurdish term for yep. this, 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 um, yep. you know? So, um, yeah, there's, there's been Yeah, absolutely. Me. And me too. Me too. Um, like in, um, in Rojava, it's, it's a little bit, well, I don't know, actually, I'm, I'm just going to make the assumption that it's worse <laughs> than, than Bashur because, um, Growing up, like literally 50% of our words were in Arabic. And so we would take the Arabic words and yeah. Kurdify it. And sometimes, mm -hmm. like even now, yes. I, I listen to some of the, um, you know, the lives that, that come out, like the Instagram lives that come out of um, Rojava or, or some of the Kurds. And they'll say a sentence mm -hmm. and seven out of 10 words are Arabic, right? Like that's how intense it is. Yeah. Um, that's, mm -hmm. I yeah. mean, what, what do you expect when we, we can't, learn our language officially and and you know in in some parts of kurdistan we're penalized for it so so, so i feel like yeah. you know at the moment i'm mm -hmm. i like 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 you i've gone on this journey the last few years of trying to um you know improve my language trying to improve my vocabulary trying to remove some of the mm -hmm. arabization that's happened um in our language um mm -hmm. but in the last, honestly, yeah. like literally in the last month or two, I've come to terms, I've come to like, almost like a grace for myself and for others to go, you know, it's not a, it's not a shameful thing, right? It is a consequence, it's a consequence of, mm -hmm. of our oppression. And, and yeah. yes, we need to work at, at, you know, at going back to, to our roots and, and, and evolving the language and canonizing it in a way that it hasn't had the opportunity to. Um, but yeah. at the same time, not not have this you know sharm mentality, this aib mentality that oh our, our our Kurdish isn't good enough, or it's you know it's got too much Arabic in it or anything. And, yeah, you know it's the same thing like in the diaspora, speaking broken Kurdish, like just removing that shame element. Like it's not shameful. It's it's yeah. it's good that we're taking that first step now. You know, and that can, first step can happen now yeah. or in the future or when at any point. Mm -hmm that's the important thing that we are taking that mm -hmm. step forward um something else yeah go ahead Paige. actually okay um i just i it brought back some mm. memories that i didn't even know that i had but when i was in nuhat so you know how especially in duhuk there's a lot of like tribe yeah. tribal um it's very tribal and duhuk and so each tribe has like a little mm. different mm, accent yep. even from each <laughs> yeah. other for bodin um and i remember one thing that i had a lot of friends that were well me and Nuvin are Badwari, and you know we went to school with all kinds of <laughs> gundis um people from different gundis and i don't mean gundi yeah, as in like gundi but but i remember i and i didn't even notice this either but i would always say like on or yeah and my dad would always cry me one and i'm like well i mean who cares one or wall like what's the difference and he'll be like no one and a few months go by and every single time i would make that mis mistake where i said or like nuvine wall did this and he'd be like nuvine one <laughs> and i'm like 
No one. I'm like, well, why does it matter? Why do you keep correcting me? Why do you keep say one? And he said, Amberwadi, we say one. It's like, like for instance, as an example, Mazidi um, said, you hang out with like, because my best friend at that time there too was Mazidi, and he said, they say wall. It's like there's nothing wrong with it. He's like, but I just think it's important for you to like hold on to mm. your like because that makes everyone like different and he's like i don't know and he would just always say it and be like and you know to me i'm like well who cares mazidi beat berwari beat do ski beat and like i'm you're understanding what i'm trying to say and he's like yeah it's not that's not the issue the issue isn't the way you say it it's just that I think it's important to, and I remember he used to say this, like, it's just important to hold on to how you speak and not conform it to how your friends speak it or your colleagues speak it. Like, speak the way that you mm. have grown up mm. learning it. Interesting. As if, and and now that I'm older, and now it kind of Get you above it makes Get you more sense. That. As <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, like at the yeah. time, I was like fourteen, fifteen. Like it wasn't an important thing to me. But now that, especially hearing like all of this conversation, I'm like, this makes sense because I don't think the lesson was in the like, oh, don't say wall, say one. I think it's just like, yeah. don't change the way you speak because other people yeah. say it differently. Mm. And um, yeah, there's that, and also. You know, and I like that too. Like every time I would go to a store, like see yeah. it, I'm like, oh, do you about what? I'm like, yeah. yeah. How do you know? It's like, oh, by the way, you talk. Yeah, I, th- yeah. I think there's another yeah. thing as well. Like, um, but, yeah. you know, for me, I basically, you know, we we talk a lot about isolation and quarantine now. But I I feel like I grew up in isolation. <laughs> you know, for 15 years with my my parents and my brothers, and that was the pretty much <laughs> the only Kurdish that I was exposed to. You know, we'd go back to Rojava every year. And you know, hang around our family, but mm-hmm. for the majority of our, of our life, we were exposed to this one one version of Kurdish, which was in, in the household. Now, mm-hmm. on the one hand, I was a little bit lucky in that my parents were from, like you said, from two different tribes, so they had like different words and different ways. You know, wa wan that like I get that. I, <laughs> I grew up in that. <laughs> um, and and the, you know we'd always joke like oh are you from this tribe yeah. or this tribe like mom's tribe or dad's tribe it's like oh just get over it, um, but I think like because I learned yeah like I only learned that um, you know in Kurdish we say haram ki like that that locale that locality that, that region of 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 my yeah. dialect. Um, sometimes mm-hmm. when I talk to people from other regions, I I do, I struggle to understand what they say, so. Um, so because it's mm-hmm. kind of been like unified for me so mm-hmm. much, and you know, you know, in, in, in the isolation of my tongue. So, so like a, a good example is when I yeah. when I um, launched the um, the Facebook page for the Berivan app. I the first thing I wanted to say was, you know, coming soon. And so I was like, well, what's coming soon? How do you say that in Kur- in Kurdish in mm-hmm. Kurmanji? Like I've never gone to my parents. Like you know, it's coming soon. Like how do you say that? So, you know, the, 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 the way we say it is, uh, yeah. right? Mm. Like that, right? So mm. I wrote that down. I looked at it. I'm like, I'm not sure if this is just mm. my dialect or if this is understood by other, other Kurmanji. So I'll go and, and check it with a couple. Of, so I checked it with two other um, language teachers. 
and I got two different versions. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but one of them was, uh, but both of them used the word maze yeah. instead of mazy. Yeah, yeah. Nezik, we say, so we they Nezik. said and I've said and I was like, I've never heard nez before. It sounds so wrong to me, right? Um, but the other thing is, like, there's this other word we use nez for mm -hmm. like starving, like as geneza mermat, like I'm 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 dying of hunger. I'm, I'm starving. So I was like, that's what it sounds like. It sounds a bit wrong to me. Mm -hmm. So I used my version. I'm like, look, I'm just gonna go with my gut feeling. Anyway, since then. I'm now seeing everywhere yeah. that everyone's using the word nez instead of nezik. I'm like, oh, well, shit. <laughs> uh, so, um, you know, it's, it's that thing of like, <clears throat> um, I went to Indonesia a few, uh, 10 years ago as well and, and um, uh, to this tiny remote island where they only spoke one dialect. And if I, if I said an Indonesian word in a different accent mm. or if I said one letter wrong, they did not understand me at all because they'd never been exposed to other types of mm. accents and other types of, mm. um, uh, you know, dialects in, in, their own, in their own language. So I think that's mm. one thing that, like, because our language is so rich and we have so many different ways of saying it, there is a, like, there's a beauty to it, you know? There's beauty in preserving that, right? There, yeah. yes, yes, yeah, and I think also the so my dad's also point of view too, and I remember him saying that like, yeah. well, grammatically too, he's like one, like yeah. with the n at the end, he's like grammatically it's version, correct, right? <laughs> and wool, it's like if you look up like in the Kurdish, yeah, he's like like Kurdish in in the Kurdish language, he's like technically, mm. wool isn't correct, like you're at that. And then, you know, people add the end. Some people don't add the end. And he was just kind of like, well, since we say one anyways, and also, like, if, you know, grammatically, um, he was like, I just would prefer. But then again, you know, yeah, I get the thing, too. Like, we should be able to, like, um, and I think Bodini also is very, not similar, but I think, Knowing mm. Bodini, it is a lot easier to understand Girmonji. I don't know, maybe that's just me personally, but I don't know. I think I've heard this from a lot of other people too that like be um yeah. like if they know Bodini, it is easier to understand Girmonji just because that it is there well, is a lot of Bodini similarities and between those. Like yeah, also eighty or ninety percent the same. Mm. Uh, a few words and a few grammatical differences, yeah. but um, mm -hmm. you know, like from my, from my perspective, mm -hmm. you guys have a really cute accent. You know, um, like you say, you say, <laughs> you say, Bodini, <laughs> you say, Bodini, you know, it's like it's a uh, Bodini, yeah. mm -hmm. and and so it's like the, 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 A's, the A's are a little different, <laughs> oh. and, and it's just it sounds bad like to me personally. I don't know about other Kurmanjis, but it sounds mm -hmm. cute, it's like, oh, Bodini. <laughs> um, but then, um, you know, sometimes I listen to Kurmanjis, and like, oh, you guys are like really like elongate your vowels a little too much like chill guys <laughs> <laughs> see i love how you have such a positive and, and i think recently i'm coming to terms mm -hmm. with this like positive outlook on the different like i come from a very frustrated place of like you and even azad kurd had like i've had this conversation with him as well about like i'm like you know what how I just get so frustrated when 
I am talking to a fellow Kurd and like, for example, we're, I'm not going to say who, but we have like, hopefully soon, um, a special guest on in which like, in order to have a deep conversation, a productive conversation, I'm going to have to have a translator mm. on the podcast to translate from Kurman, no, from Turkish. Like yeah. the other person knows Kurmanji. And I know Bodini and my Kurmanji yeah. is like, you yeah. know, it, it just won't be yeah. fully, you know what I mean? And I'm going to have to have someone translating yeah. in Turkish and, you know, mm. yeah, to English because, you know, so. I, I come from this like frustrated place of like oh I have yeah. to like speak English yeah. to talk to a fellow Kurd and that like I get so ugh, it gets me very sad sometimes when I can't talk to um... yeah but I definitely think also like I do like Rudy's it's like so, point of view too so and much just, it's the attitude it me... it's yeah I think that's the thing too it's like you know, yeah, we all speak Kurdish. Not we don't all don't speak it the same way, but you know, like that's okay. I, I, think, I mean, it's not okay, but it kind of is. Yeah, I, I think I come from a place of understanding. Like I come from, you know, like um, there's this, you know, for, for some of the um, Kurdish yeah. people I've met who are from, like who grew up in the Walat, like they grew up there. They're from that world. So they're from that mentality. They like the construct from within which they 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 grew up was. It's almost like if I'm going to be really um, unkind, and this is not the right word, but I'm just going to use it as a as an example. Uh, it, there's almost a um, a privilege in that, you know. There's a privilege in being able to grow up with, you know, mm -hmm. having your parents and your grandparents and your uncles and your cousins and your friends all speaking in in Kurdish together, right? And Sure, that's you know. Mm -hmm. There's oppression. Obviously, yeah. there's oppression. You can't speak that in public. Yeah. And, you know, there's you can't learn that officially. And there's this other language that you have to master. I get that. But then when they talk to somebody like me, it's like there's this like why don't you, like why didn't you try harder? Why it's not you know the fact that you're speaking bad broken Kurdish is not yes. good enough. Um, and then there's almost this kind of looking down on Kurds that don't yeah. speak Kurdish at all, and. But but for me, like it's it's right. like I have to look at it from a place of understanding. I have to look back and I have to think like there's a couple who has gone through hell and back, right? They've seen their family killed. They've yeah. seen them disappear. They've seen their village, you know, completely bulldozed. They've had to upend their whole existence and go to another country, and they have to raise their children, and they're dealing with so much trauma. That they don't even want to teach their 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 kids Kurdish, right? And so I have to come at it from that understanding. I have to come at it from you know mm. back in the in in Rojava back in the 50s, 60s, and 70s there was a massive Arabization campaign where the government you know relocated hundreds of thousands of Bedouin Arabs into the Kurdish regions, renamed all the the locations in Arabic, all the streets, everything in Arabic, and Kurdish was basically yeah. illegal. You know, you could not sell, uh, you know, Kurdish, um, uh, you know, tapes. Yeah, that's right. You know, no music, no, no culture, no films, nothing. And so that Arabization campaign was so successful that when my parents and my cousins were growing up, 
their language that they were mastering was Arabic. They had to go to school. They had to go to university. They had to work in Arabic. And they didn't have the yeah. opportunity to learn the, you know, the original Kurdish. So I have to come at it from that understanding going, I can't, I can't judge you on your bad Kurdish because 50, 60, 70 years ago, shit happened that was completely outside of your control that has called you to be the person and that you are yeah. today. What we have now is the opportunity yeah. to move forward and change that. And even within that, there's, there's levels of it. You know, some people, mm -hmm. they're like, look, I, I just want to live my life. I just want to survive. I just want to, you know, just want to have peace. And, and there has to be grace from us. There has to be grace in that as well. Yeah, mm -hmm. going, you know, who knows what shit you've dealt with? Who knows what your capacity, your emotional capacity is, right? But then there are some of us that have mm -hmm. a little bit more and a little mm -hmm. bit less. And so, you know, that's like, it's a collective. We're not yeah. all each individually responsible for carrying all of Kurdistan on our shoulders, you know? I mean, <laughs> I think that I actually um, really, I, um, I agree with that a lot. And I think we, we blame, I think people are easy to blame each other for like, oh, well, you don't speak the correct Kurdish. Like, Yo, you need Twitter. to like not speak this Yo, version Twitter, of, I yeah. Get like that all like the sometimes... time for my Latini. And I'm like, I like, yeah. you understand yeah. what I'm trying to say. Like, relax. Stop mm -hmm. trying to be grammar police. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or like, <laughs> Like, especially I think as like growing up and as children too, like it's not your fault for learning Kurdish that isn't maybe like that has a lot of Arabic in mm. it. And I think um, people will like, oh, well, don't speak. It's like, but how would you know? Like, especially growing up in your kids, and you hear what you, you speak, what you hear your parents speak or your grandparents speak or your aunts and uncles speak. Yeah. And then, like, yes, as you grow up, it is a responsibility to be able to maybe look more into Yeah, no. And then that. also, have like, that opportunity. I mean, just looking at my, like, my, my siblings. And um and they all I speak English to my siblings. My siblings have children. My nieces and nephews hear mm. us speaking to each other in English all the time. My dad, my mom will always bash at my siblings who have kids. Like, oh my goodness, what are you guys doing to your kids? They don't speak English. They don't speak Kurdish. Like my parents will speak Kurdish to their grandkids, and their grandkids will respond in English and. There's like, it's messy. It's super messy. And like my brother even like has come, he's just kind of like, he's like, I don't know. He's like, I really just don't know what to do. He was like, I come home and I speak to my wife. My wife is Kurdish, but we speak to each other in English because that's just, yeah. it's yeah. the yeah. natural. Yeah. It just feels more natural, you know? And then that's, I think that's something else. Mm -hmm. I also like sometimes feel there's like this moment of like, I think to a lot of Kurds and I'm not, I don't know. I'm just saying, like, sometimes I think my... Each one, yeah, everyone is different. But, like, some people also, like, have this thing of, like, the language does, like, I feel like there yeah. are some switch, like, modes of existence. When I speak Kurdish, I am, like, a different... Like, that podcast that me and Pid recorded, um, the Nanu Moss podcast, it's all in Kurdish. Yeah. I feel like yeah. it's another me and Pid. It's, like, another, like, yeah. you know, like, it's well, a different version of myself. Um, yeah, and I was saying that it's hard to show your personality through yeah, and, two and different they might so, so here's change, here's the thing, right? That know? thing that you're talking about, that's called yeah. code switching. Have you heard of that term before? Oh, yeah. 
I have. Mm, yeah. I've heard so that's called code switching, life. where yeah. when you switch back and forth from different languages, it's it's almost like it engages different parts of your brain, um, and you you know you switch mm. from one uh, almost persona to another. Um, you know, to the point for for me personally, like I when I mm -hmm. speak Kurdish, I my voice even sounds different, and I put up a a, a questionnaire, a little poll on yeah. Uh, on Instagram a few mm -hmm. weeks ago, asking if anyone else experienced that, and I had I don't know, 60, 70 responses, and like ninety percent of them were um, were yes, you know, were saying yes that that um, you know they they experienced that. So there's actually some research that's been done mm -hmm. uh, in Japan where they've they've um, interviewed uh, Japanese women, and they've asked them who speak English, and they've asked them about their um, you know their views mm -hmm. on uh, you know on, on on feminism and women's place in society and all that and they've asked them those questions in English and then they've asked them the exact same questions in Japanese uh -huh. and they found that the, 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 the results they got were oh. so different where in mm -hmm. when they responded in English they responded with you know um, uh, you know a lot more kind of feminist, ideals a lot more progressive ideals whereas when they responded in japanese it was a lot more conservative mm -hmm. and traditional ideas like oh well you know the women you mm -hmm. know are part of the household and we're part of the unit and we you know we you know it's a give and take but it's you know this is our place da, da, da. but then when they answered in english it was all about you know, you know pro progression and, and work and equality and all that so it was really fascinating there's a little yeah Okay, I definitely, I definitely feel that. I definitely feel I'm more conservative when I'm speaking in Kurdish, and not even like just, yeah. just without even thinking about it, just naturally. Yeah, it's it's so fascinating. There's That's so really much. Um, yeah. There's so much going on subconsciously that we're not even aware of, right? Yeah. 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 Mm hmm. Language, huh? <sighs> I also, I learned something the other day, and it kind of relates to this. I just think it's really cute, too. But you know when babies grow up and uh, they're in mm. that phase where before they start speaking and they babble a lot, and they're not really forming any words, mm -hmm. they say that babies babble in language. So when they... If a baby's in a Kurdish household, that baby will babble in Kurdish, even if it's not any words. But then in English, if they're growing up in an American household, and, mm. in an English-speaking household, they will babble in English. And then they also say so children who are deaf, babies that are deaf mm. and can't hear, yeah. they will yeah. babble in sign language with their hands. And I just found that very interesting, too, mm. how that... That's As fascinating. Like how it starts yeah. so young. I'm, I think yeah. now that you say that, like I, mm. I'm seeing, I'm seeing mm -hmm. that happen in my own children. So I've got two four-year-olds, um, and I've I've been introducing Kurdish to them slowly over the last mm -hmm. couple of years. Um, but there are some 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 sounds that they can't make, like ch, um, and ra, You know those sounds they can't really make those sounds. Yeah. So I'm trying to you know introduce mm. more words with those <laughs> with those letters just to get them to practice. Um, but I'm speaking to um, to yeah. my daughter, uh, to my one year old, one and a half year old, 
and she's only just starting to learn how to how to talk mm-hmm. um and when mm-hmm. she says when she says anything it's 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 uh you know it's it's baby talk it's like oh um um rubbash rubbash that's rojbash right yeah and and i when when she does that when she did that i realized oh yeah. she like like because we're her parents we know what she's saying but she hasn't formed any of the letters in any language yet you know and so she's gonna get there at some point and i think like what you mm. just said was really fascinating no. like yeah that's like when i'm when i'm when i'm speaking to her in kurdish she's trying to like like repeat after me she's trying to like babble like i am um yeah that's that's really, mm-hmm. really interesting. yeah yeah. So forming the letters, the sounds, Thank you. That's, the phonetics. That's really good information. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, thank you. I gave you a little piece of information. You gave I told us you. I warned you. Minutes. Beginning time. I told you. <laughs> <laughs> this is, you know. It's the least I can do. Oh my goodness. Um, Absolutely. Rudy, we can go on and on. I really, I feel like we can go on and on, but we would love to have you back on here. I hope you become, yeah, this was a very, ref- very refreshing. I feel like I, I gained a new perspective on like everything, <laughs> like a lot more upbeat, optimistic look yeah. on yeah, absolutely. Our situation, <laughs> if that makes sense. I mean, I mean, I, I look. I'll tell you like, this. Right? I, I struggle so much with my identity, with my place in the world. Uh, you know, my I've I've worked mm-hmm. so hard over the last ten years on my own mental and emotional health. I think that is so 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 important as Kurds for us to to do that because there's like I said, there's so much happening subconsciously that mm-hmm. we're not even aware of, right? But at the end of the day, I am optimistic, right? Because right. I. You know, I work in technology mm-hmm. and marketing and, and digital and all that. And I'm I'm seeing, Movian, I'm seeing people like you creating your art. I'm seeing um, all these young creators coming out of, of Bakur. And I, I follow them more so because, I, you know, they're, I, I understand their dialect more than Bashur. So, um, but I'm seeing these, like, uh, these video creators. Like, there's yeah. this one guy that makes these cool little, um, uh, little videos that are, um, uh, what do you call it, like, like editing magic. You know, where he jumps into a cup and he's like now sinking and swimming in the mm-hmm. cup uh, or he'll throw an egg into a pan and it'll turn into a fully cooked egg. And, and he uses that to like teach a few Kurdish words. Right. And it's so cool. I'm like, oh, this is like so yeah. simple, so basic. But the real magic and opportunity for me is that mm-hmm. that guy has somehow tapped into a collective understanding of what type of content engages. Right. So he's learning about, you know, what type of content engages. Mm. He's learning about filming and editing. Mm. He's learning about post-production. He's learning about, um, you know, audio production and, and sound quality. He's learning about publishing on, on, a, on a social media platform and marketing that. He's learning about, you know, engaging an audience. That, that guy is in his early 20s. What's going to happen mm. when he's in his 30s and 40s? All right. Yeah. That he's trying to engage when he has yeah. you know where is this journey going to lead him and so i think of you Novi, you know you're creating this art that's challenging yeah. you know uh, challenging mm-hmm. constructs and challenging mentalities and challenging our idea of the world around us what's your journey going to take mm-hmm. you you know where are you going to be in 10 20 years time and so that's 
you know, I was I've, honestly, I've been so depressed the last few mm -hmm. years. I've been in the space of like, you know, what's our place in the world and blah, blah, blah. But in the last year, I've come to realize that we are on this journey. Like we in the diaspora, we're in the first and second generation. We're not like, yeah. the, you know, the, like yeah. the, the Greeks and the Italians and the Germans who, who've had generations and generations. Yeah. We are on the no, frontier. We're living it. We're living it. And I think that's something, oh my God. Yes. I, I thank you. I appreciate that. All those kind words. And I am totally like, I think that I even like, I find myself asking like Americans questions of like, oh, so you have Italian, you know, like they have an Italian last name. I'm like, so when did your great, great, like, when did your family immigrate here? And, and like, you know, and, and that's yeah. like, because we are literally living it. And, and, and sometimes the responses I get back are so like, uh, I'm not sure this and that. I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> that well, my, my next <laughs> several generations after me they better will. know where when they exactly better archive when my instagram account damn it <laughs> when you know it'll be an heirloom <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> so no and i think that um yeah mm. no i i agree with you we're we're all in this together and i think and that's the fun thing is like it's it's not just like i think social yeah. media has its pros and cons but mm, one of the pros is absolutely. being able to share this journey with everyone you know what i mean like i've had some i've had some amazing like i've made some amazing like look at you like i feel like you're I, i've never met you but i feel like we're kindred you know, spirits we are i just made you know yeah. we've created exactly so um you know i even told dylan um he was on the podcast a couple episodes ago and i was telling dylan i was like in another in another world or in another life, we would have been mm. living in Kurdistan, a country named Kurdistan, mm. and we would have been the bestest of friends. He lives in Slemonia. Mm. I think currently he lives in Hawler, but, um, but like, you know, I, I just think it, 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 it definitely is bringing us all together. And I hope that, you know, um, we can and mm. what you're doing is i'm so excited yeah and yeah and look uh, you know going great. back to that that specifically that app you know like i said i wasn't the first i was inspired by someone else so mm. my goal my goal with this app yeah. is um is to yeah. inspire somebody else i want somebody to look at that and go you know what i could do something better or to look at that and go this is good but it doesn't have xyz i think i could do that you know and we have like one Kurdish app, yeah. uh, the Beijan game. And when mine's released, we'll have two. Next year, mm -hmm. hopefully we'll have another one or two. And so in four or yeah. five years, we're going to have a resource. We're going to have a library. We're going to, so that's what I mean. Like I'm hopeful yep. because we've got all these young, creative, uh, you know, Kurds growing up in the diaspora who are not uh, trying to survive, right? And we have we have the energy we have the emotional resources yeah. mm -hmm. we have the time to be able to invest in something that in 10 20 years it, we can't even imagine what that's going to look like absolutely yeah it, it, they're building blocks right i mean i think that i think you know one of my first semester in grad school i my professor and mentor of mine um mm -hmm 
would keep on he he I think he's someone who knows my work better than anyone else at that school and he would always he'd come into my studio for studio visits and he would just keep giving me names of artists like here look at this person's art look at this person's art look at this person's art and one day I got so I was like I was like dude you keep giving me all these names I was like and they're all the names that I like I look at their art and I'm like oh my god this resonates with me this is perfect I love it I was like but what I was like, but what, like, I was like, you give these, like, amazing artists, like, contemporary artists names and <laughs> to me, and I'm like, what do I do with this information? Like, why are you, I'm like, I feel, I feel like mm. a shitty artist. I'm like, oh, well, they've mm. done it. Yeah. What can I do possibly that they haven't done? And he said, he was like, no, Nuveen, he's like, it's not, he's like, I'm giving you these names and these mm. artworks to look at so that you can, you can, like, build from Absolutely. what they've made yeah. and what they've created like they've paved the way for you already and you're Absolutely. just gonna keep going and you're gonna keep building it for them you know what i mean like we're all in we're all in conversation with each other and and it's not you know the yeah we all there's enough happiness and oh my God. Enough absolutely and look i don't know whether that's and, a kurdish thing uh, or whether that's an immigrant third culture kid thing or whether that's a i don't know whatever it is <laughs> Like I had the same thing, like, yeah. you know, for so many years, I, I looked at what other people had done. And I thought, oh, well, if they've done it, then it's not worth doing it, you know, because like, why? Like, I could never do something like that. But you're absolutely yeah. right. It's a journey. It's a building block, you know, like over the last two, three years, I've been experimenting with creating yeah. little kids books, yeah. little videos, little animations for the kids. And the, the yeah. result of that was this app right where i brought my professional experience and my little tinkering around and yeah. playing around together to make this app mm. but the app isn't the final form i have i have an idea to yeah. make a kurdish uh, cartoon like peppa pig right like like those little cartoons where it's multiple episodes it's high <laughs> production value it's really engaging in the future that's like 5 10 years away right and it may or may not happen, but that's kind of the direction I'm heading in. Yeah. And it's all yeah. about building blocks, right? It's all about building blocks. You got to, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. You're, this is what you're doing now is what's going to, like, it's, you know, we are human and we are evolving and we're growing and we're, you know, what we're doing now is going to evolve into something in 10, 5, six years mm. if you're you know if you're listening to oh, i'm gonna listen to this podcast in five years that'll be my milestone <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then you know and i think that's like the podcast is also like a way yeah, of just like absolutely. us kind of marking our conversations and time and just like yeah. kind of you know and yeah you know me and pela we we've yeah, the, the podcast will go on even before, after we. <laughs> it's a diary. <laughs> Amazing. But, um, but yeah. Okay. Are we gonna? Are we gonna stop? I have. I literally. I have one more thing that I've been kind of itching to ask you for your opinion, but I don't know if I should ask it now or maybe. <laughs> Look, it's maybe up I to you. I'm here. I've got time. Um, it uh, depends on how long you want this to go on for. <laughs> Pele, what do you think? Okay, for uh, how I ask the okay. question. <laughs> oh my god, here we go. Here we go. Okay. So do you think that like, okay, you know, from an outsider perspective, from a non-Kurdish 
perspective that like all of our like oh Curtis this Curtis that Curtis this on social media on in our conversations our daily conversations do we come off do you think that we may or may not come off as nationalistic and is there a difference like I, I feel like um uh, like that we yeah. might get categorized yeah yeah Nuveen yeah, worries yeah, about yeah. this okay. a lot yeah, as yeah. like um, like you know what I mean because I once got asked a question and I got asked a question of like kind of in that terms of like kind of questioning my like like oh are you a nationalistic Kurd or are you like okay well Kurdistan is it a is it going to be a if do you think that Kurdistan should be a country and yeah, if yeah. it is is it just do only Kurds live there and blah 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 and I'm like whoa, 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 whoa hold on like do you understand the situation like is it um, I don't know do you yeah yeah because I feel like the term nationalist in today's day and age like gets associated with like you know yeah, you yeah, have yeah. like um, yeah, the term is white supremacists do you think that Kurds and diaspora mm-hmm. that are very vocal about the Kurdish cause um, you know and, and it's kind of part of our language where we're like you know Kurdish this Kurdish that the Kurdish dress the Kurdish food the Kurdish that do you think for two, from a non-Kurdish perspective looking at it from outside uh, that we come off yeah. as nationalist because if you think about it if you think about like if we were to see a German, you know, like German this, yeah. German that, German this, German flags. Da, da, da. Would that, you know, yeah. like how would that look versus yeah. how? Do what, we do, what, look? Do you, what do you think um, about? What do you think about? Um, yeah. and, and, um, Armenian. Yeah, if someone says Armenian this, Armenian that, Armenian dress, Armenian. Mm. Not at all. I don't think. That, I think that they are. Yeah. they're fighting for a yeah. for their rights and that they are defending their existence and there's been there's a long 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 yeah. history of of oppression yeah. um there's yeah. been genocide there's yeah. and, and it's what about what about uh, american indians happening, um right sorry sorry that's not the what's the term the native native americans oh yeah yes Indigenous, yes. Indigenous people Native Americans, America, yep. Indigenous, like yep. Indigenous people In, Indigenous of America. Indigenous yep. I think constant. They're under threat. These are peoples. Yeah, I think it's people. I see them as the same thing. Yeah, to me. Uh, and and the, then the other uh, question then I'd ask the is, um, okay, who are these non-Kurds that are looking in and questioning? You know, we've got non-Kurds that are like, you know, Iraqis and Turks and Syrians and yeah. and, and Iranians who are, they they have a stake in the game. You know, they, <laughs> if we talk about, you know, Kurdish identity and Kurd, like that's, um, you know, from, from their perspective, and I'm going to be very generous um, uh, and, and um, well, that from their perspective, they see that as separatism, right? <laughs> Uh, from a from a uh, like a like a, uh, a country from a nationalistic from mm-hmm. a borders perspective, right? That mm-hmm. they see that as nationalism. Um, uh, sorry, as um, separatism. Um, yeah. that's, that's the nicest way I can put it. Obviously, there's you know there's uh, yes. racism and everything. Else. 
so that's the other thing. But so then what about like Western? For Western like, Europeans, um, yeah, for most European. of my perspective, again, I don't think most of them care. Um, um, I think I think you might have a yeah. different experience of that, first of all, in America and second of all, in Nashville, there's anything because there is such it, a big honest. Kurdish community there. You know, little Kurdistan, as they say. Um, like yeah. in Australia... Mm-hmm. It's it's very different where if mm-hmm. I talk about my Kurdish mm-hmm. culture and Kurdish identity and Kurdish, the majority of the time it's like, oh, that's interesting. I hadn't heard of that before. Tell me more. Like they're interested in kind of exploring and understanding other cultures. Um, and a lot of the people I talk to are also just non-political as well. So mm-hmm. they don't. They don't. They don't see that as nationalistic, or what? What does nationalistic even mean yeah. to them? Um, and that's a, that's a consequence of just the, the the Australian mentality, where they're, yeah, you know, not that politically aware of the world stage. Um, right. Yeah, I think people moving and the experience that you were talking about. I think it's a way for a lot of people to bring down us for being yeah. like mm-hmm. as you say, and then they view it as being nationalistic. It's like if being nationalistic means that I am Kurpedwed and that I talk about, you know, oh Kurdish food this or my Kurdish friend that or that yeah, so be it. Yeah, and I think I think like from an American like standpoint, I think in America there's a lot of yeah, like yeah. the term nationalism gets yeah. gets tossed around and it, it there's different context and they associate I think the fact that, that they even refer to that your situation or like, yeah, like as looking that, at my I art and then saying nationalist like na- you know or associating it with like nationalism that's like yeah it's kind of it's it just shows that they didn't do their homework but or don't really mm-hmm. understand what's okay. going on but um something else okay one more question mm-hmm. I have um yeah. borders mm-hmm. Do sure. you okay? So there's also this question that has been thrown at me, um, and this podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if you've looked at the bio. It's Taylor Newbie trying to figure things out. Yep. So I'm Taylor Newbie in the morning. Little questions and picking at your brain. Um, <laughs> borders. Do you yes. believe? Good, good, good in question. Borders? Do you um, think borders exist. This might get this might get me in trouble. <laughs> Because I think in, in in America, the context yeah. of borders, when we talk about borders yeah. in the U.S. Yeah. and in Mexico and 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 the United yes. States, um, it's it's I very, I it's have different. friends from all across the spectrum. I've got far right wing friends, far left wing friends, centrists, different ideologies, um, uh, libertarian, mm-hmm. um, all of that. So, <clears throat> um. Personally, I I think there is an there's a in in anything there's an idealism there's an ideal view ideal world and there's a realism right what are we dealing with in the world right now right how does human nature play out in different ideologies and different constructs so uh, for me I'm not going to go into all that but for me long story short I see value in borders as we stand now, uh, like where we are now in, in, in our uh, human history. Uh, you know, if we look back over history, not just to America, not just to the UK, just mm-hmm. globally, we see that there has been a, a human mm-hmm. desire for land, right? A human desire for 
uh, you know, like progressing your identity and, you know, over others, if you like, right? Um, and I see borders as a natural defense mm-hmm. or, or not natural, but a, a, a consequential defense against that. You know, like as a consequence of all these kind of wars and occupations in the last 10, 20, 30,000 years, um, like the, the borders have been like the, the, the best way, best defense against that so far, right? Um, so in that way, I think there's value in borders. Mm-hmm. And I think for ourselves specifically, like you know, going back to our conversation about language, right? Our language has, has not had the opportunity to um, to yeah. progress. You know, in Turkey, the Kurdish language was completely outlawed, uh, barbarically outlawed for a good 80, 90 years. The only time they reversed that yeah. was when they wanted to be a part of the EU. And that was one of the terms, right? Um, but even now, the, you know, like there's no Kurdish language schools. There's private schools that you have to pay to and get into to learn Kurdish, but that's not in place yeah. of, you know, tur- the Turkish curriculum, right? So um, that is an oppression of a part of our identity, yeah. right? It is, a, it is a consequence of not having self-determination. So yeah. um, I've recently learned this. So I'm not saying this as an expert. I'm saying this as I'm trying to figure it out as well. Um, but there's a difference between self-determination and independence uh, and nationalism, yeah. I think. I'm, again, trying to figure it all out. But um, it becomes mm. extremely difficult to have self-determination <laughs> when you have, uh, you know, governments in place and borders in place that do not, um, yeah, I, I guess don't don't mm. don't see things the way you do. You know, for again, I'm not very politically. Um, I don't have a good political vocab, so. Excuse me, but like um, you know, I, I look at a place like India, where it's a it's yeah. a large country with lots and lots of different subcultures and a government that's just you know that's that's not you know that's trying but not doing a good great job at the moment of catering to the country as a whole, right? Um, and so yeah. in the states, you see a version of that where you've got yeah. borders around different states. Right. So we have state borders, but then you have a national border as well. Um, mm-hmm. I think personally what it comes down to is how those borders are uh, enforced and policed. So I think, you know, like the whole build the wall thing and keep the immigrants out thing. I think that's okay. uh, that is a um, I, I don't agree with that at all. I think that's a reaction to um, it, it's it's a, re- a reaction out of that place of nationalism yeah. as, as you were saying before of like you know us and them us and them uh, you know we need to preserve what we have we need to protect yeah. ourselves from the other from them yeah. um, and I think that comes from a place of fear but then you have a situation yeah. like uh, you know like Germany and uh, Turkey yes. and all the um, refugees that are going through the, through Turkey from Syria you know, into Greece and Germany and all that, and they have a huge refugee crisis. Um, mm-hmm. And they're trying to enforce their, like, what does that mean for them, for, for the country, for, yeah. the, for the people? So there's no good answer. There's no easy answer. Yeah. But I, I've got some, um, some friends that are, you know, that are all about uh, getting rid of borders and we don't believe in borders and we all just need to live in peace. I'm like, I love that. I love your heart 
I love that that's what you want, but the reality is that's not the yeah. real world that we, that's not hu the human nature that, ha that has evolved over millennia that we are in experiencing right now does not, does not create the, 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 the uh, scenarios mm -hmm. where that is a real life possibility. Yeah. 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 You don't have mm -hmm. to. You don't have to. You know. I, yeah. Well, I, I, I agree with time. you. <laughs> yeah. Completely. Yeah. No, I do. I like. I honestly, wholeheartedly, I do believe in what you are saying because, yeah, it's like as much as we love saying things like "hosa, It's like at the end of the day, there's politics, there's government. And it's not as easy as yep. just, you know, there's a lot more to it than just what we want. Mm -hmm. There is maybe better ways to handle um, how getting, how to get what we want. And I, um, yeah. but yeah, yeah. I, I agree. Pin. And I think that there's like mm -hmm. this, it's like, yeah, that, that's, that would be nice, but they do exist. And, and there's consequences <laughs> and there's people. Yeah. Fighting I had also like a billion dollars. But I'm gonna be. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I mean, I gotta work for it. If I want a billion dollars, I gotta work for it somehow. And I can't just That's wish true. it into existence. Law of attraction, you know? <laughs> um, yep. Manifestation works too. So they shall. <laughs> But yeah, this this otherness, I, I I I really appreciate the way you know this conversation and just even like how do we stop yeah, othering yeah. our own language or othering our own like fucking ourselves, right? And I think this is a conversation that me and Pil have had on the podcast many times about. And I remember that story that I said about my younger brother of how he um, referred. <laughs> to the oh, I don't remember yeah. what oh, was that situation it's in a podcast somewhere when he said it's the right the way the right way like oh okay eating with your hands and then eating with eating eating breakfast with your with bread the, oh eating eating eggs yeah. with and you know in a Kurdish culture we usually eat it with bread and so he said oh why don't we ever eat it with a fork and he's like oh you know we just eat it with the bread and he's like oh yes, yeah yes, like yes. I yeah. eat it with the bread but the right way is to eat it yeah. with a fork <laughs> And I'm yeah. like, okay, but why Why would you assume that mm. the eating with the fork is the right way? Is it because yeah. that's what, because in America, that's usually the way they eat their eggs? And to them, automatically, yeah. since the Americans and that's do it literally that way, what America, I do that, that's the correct way. Like, well, we I just don't do it the other way. The Kurdish videos, I want to watch the normal mm -hmm. videos. I want to do the normal, like, because that is the norm, the construct within which they're growing up. That is the norm, yeah. and that's mm -hmm. completely natural. Like at that age, they need um, uniformity. That's how their brains, you know, decipher the world. Um, but then at some mm -hmm. point, you know, down the track, the, that turns into right and wrong. There's a yeah. right way of doing things and a wrong way of doing things. And from my perspective, like because I've um, won't go mm -hmm. into that too much in this podcast but um i've had a very different spiritual journey as well and Nubian and i talked about it a little bit but, um if you apply that right and wrong to culture that uh -huh. almost like subconsciously becomes an issue of morality right like this is the right mm. way we do things you know the proper way right the progressive way and this is mm. the other mm. way it's not as good they haven't caught up with us yet you know like that's the you know, that's the that's the um, implication there. And 
Yeah, absolutely. We need to, we need mm. to break that down. We need to break that down to say, what is, what does that mean? What does normal look like when we're not looking at it from a Western perspective? You know, the Western perspective isn't the most advanced right. perspective, which is what mm. we've heard in the last 20, 30 years, yep. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it was really, really great talking to you. And yeah. um, thank you so much for coming. And I know you have a busy schedule and with your children yeah, yeah. and all and the huge time difference being all the way in Australia. But yeah, this um, was amazing. And we hope to have you back. We're like, yeah. schedule. we've been like trying to reschedule um, episodes, like to record new episodes with like, um, guests that have already been on the podcast and it's been great mm-hmm. you know Absolutely. we we like to this is we're building a family here okay like, oh. yeah. <laughs> you're not just a one time right. thank a you I appreciate it a global family a unified you know, yes. family is great I love it <laughs> great thank you yes Yes. yes, thank you so much. We're the gonna, yeah, game, we're yeah. gonna um, keep an eye out Oof. for the um, the yes, that was great. Yes, yes thank yes. you very much. Uh, very honored to be when here. When that comes out, we'll have really, a link of yeah, it in thanks our bio so much for, for, for sure. your time and for having me on. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Of course, thank you. Thank you for talking to me and Finn. <laughs> Yes, and thank you everyone for listening to another amazing episode of the New Wave Podcast. I am Pan.